Hey, Carm Capriato here with Remarkable Results Radio's episode 484. I'm with Jim Silverman, and he creates a strong case for making our industry attractive to our younger generations. Now, you must be willing to adopt and evolve the shop to support our younger employees and bolster teamwork. So when they say, I need daycare, I don't need daycare, that's going to tell us what we're having to, what benefits are more important so that we leapfrog and we decide what we can afford them. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hi, friends. Carm Capriato, the aftermarket podcast guy here. How are you? Hey, Apex 2019. It's in the record books, and I must say that Apex lived up to presenting leading-edge technology from suppliers, but also a great job of showcasing the emerging technology of tomorrow. Now, you've got plenty of time to plan for 2020. Yes, November 3rd through the 5th, 2020, Apex, now more than ever. Hey, again, while attending Apex 19, I met so many listeners that value the podcast. And you know, when I hear how the episodes have helped them, it continues to fuel my desire to bring the most diverse topics and trends to you. And as you know, please reach out to me at carm at remarkableresults.biz with an email. Now, I get many requests to recommend certain podcast episodes that can help bring a fresh perspective to a current problem or crisis that you may have. Now, trust me, I know. It's not easy being a business person. You must stay sharp on so many aspects of your business, and frankly, you can't go it alone. Coaching help, peer support, and this content library can come to your aid. Hey, you know, there's a lot of ways to engage our young generation in our beloved aftermarket and keep them with you. Now, we can create a more team-oriented environment, have creative pay bonuses and rewards to match their desires and their work ethic. My guest is Jim Silverman, the Director of National Accounts for ATI, the Automotive Training Institute. Well, Jim brings his years of been there and done that wisdom, and he delivers an enlightening discussion that includes building a reverse pyramid in your org chart. And he also challenges you to think about replacing yourself. Are you interviewing for your replacement? Well, think about it. It may take years to do this, but you need to start now. Jim Silverman explains. Hey, warm welcome to Jim Silverman, Director of National Accounts at ATI. Hi, Jim. Hi, Carm. How are you doing today? ATI, uh, legacy, legacy aftermarket training company. Oh, we have a great time. It is a phenomenal industry, and it's really great to be a part of a big company in the industry because everything we're doing today for our future of the industry is about training and correcting people and helping people learn to grow their business. And you can't grow new techs if your business isn't successful. So we want to help people grow their techs and learn how to bring young people into the industry and yeah. maintain the integrity that we've got with our current people. Gotten to know you over a whole bunch of years. And last week, uh, together, we were in Chicago for a conference and we hung out. And uh, and then here it is two weeks later, we're in Cary, North Carolina at ASTE. And uh, it's sponsored by the Independent Garage Owners of North Carolina. Uh, what a great event going on here. And I know you spoke and you've got a booth here today, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, cool. So uh, we were just, so I said, hey, how you doing, man? It's been a couple of weeks. What's going on? And you know, I said, uh, God, why don't you come in the studio? Let's talk about something. And I said, what would you like to talk about? And he says, Carm, I don't think we all realize 
who's really in our workforce we've really not stopped enough to realize that you know if you if you look at so many shop owners that are of the boomer age and so many millennials that are coming up owning shops but yet they're in the workforce have we really opened our eyes to realize how we need to treat our our young workforce we are in for surprise yeah and it's it's a totally different it's things have changed and and so we don't understand what we don't understand we have people that, that are walking, there are people in our shops right now that are in their 60s that are great people that have been loyal to us for years and years and years. And we're hiring people that are in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. And we're bringing them in and we're trying to blend the two personalities together. And we want the young people to want to work in our shops. And we want the older people, the mature people, to embrace the young people that are coming in. Mm-hmm. And so it's melting the two... Uh, thought processes and the way people were raised together to make a cohesive team and uh, to run our business and to grow the industry. We talk so much on the podcast and I am a huge proponent of business culture. And uh, we, we actually yesterday in my, uh, in, in, in the panel that I moderated and it was about retention and the paying of our future te- of our technicians today and into the future. And we started off, the panel started off talking about culture and I basically had to explain to the audience, I know you're here trying to figure out how, how you should do this, but if you don't have the right culture, don't try to figure out anything because you're not going to keep a loving, caring team that's going to support your customers. People want that kind of, they, they want to come to work for the right kind of reasons you know the, the culture um in a shop or in any business i mean we can go outside of our own industry although this is where we are um is totally different today and so used to be years ago and i'm talking you know because i'm already getting toward the end of the spectrum no don't even talk about that well okay i'm at the upper level of the <laughs> um demographic <laughs> very good another great excuse okay so um you know we had to go to work and we were terrified because, oh, my God, I need this job. I've got to have this job. If I, if, if I don't do a job, I'll get fired, and then I won't be able to feed my kids. And our new generation of people, it's got, we need them to say, I want this job. And it's a whole different perspective. And with technology the way it is and the difference the way it is, we need to do more to make our shop attractive to young people. And it used to be that... Uh, if you think about the auto shops of the past, um, when I was younger, um, starting out in the industry, you would probably see an auto shop in a major city every three or four blocks. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, I was out in California and I visited one of our clients in his shop. And it's a beautiful U-shaped building, great big horseshoe-shaped building. And he's got the first five bays as his shop. And the next three bays are somebody else's shop. And the next two bays are someone else's shop. And then there's a body shop for five more bays. And then there's a detail shop. Today, you can find six shops in a two-block area. And so with technology on our cell phones and on our tablets and the way things are going, if you don't attract somebody... He doesn't have to go very far. He has to cross no. the parking lot. No, you're right. And with our tech shortage, I, I do think that our technicians in our in our industry realize, especially the millennials, who says, okay, it's not working. Fine. Three clicks later, they have a job. Absolutely. And, and you know how far they had to go? They didn't even have to tow their toolbox. They could push it. Right. 
because it's so close. There's so much out there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and you know, the, the business culture, the, you know, the old hierarchical model of the way we used to run our businesses. Do you know anything about that? You know, uh, when I was hired, it was, this is the, when I went to work, started out, it is my company. You work for me. You work for me. It is my company. It's a whole different thing now because now the technicians, the owner's job right now is to support the technicians. And my job as the owner of a business or your job as an owner of a business is to give support to these people that are going to grow the business because it's our business. It's no longer my business. My business is the guy that's name is on the contract. And once your name's on the contract, your job as the owner is done because I am the owner on paper, but we are the owner collectively. Yeah. And so everybody's got to have their own value in the company. They've got to feel respected. You have to, instead of everybody reporting up to you, instead, they're giving you suggestions on how to run the company and you're letting them help you shape the growth of yeah. the company. So, so to, to, to create a visual, and I love visuals, you know, the org charts, you always had the owner at the top and then it, then there were the managers and then there were the worker bees. What you're really saying is invert the triangle. Exactly. It's a reverse pyramid. Yeah. It is a total reverse pyramid. We're going to support you. Instead of you supporting me and you making my family grow, I'm going to support you and help you make your family grow. All right. There's so many uh, very wise and knowledgeable baby boomers out there in all levels of our industry. Uh, not needless to say, as owners, and you know, we can talk succession plan. We're not going to do that right now. But think about our line technicians with all this wisdom. Where, where are they going to fit here in the next few years? You know, I, I sat here... Today's Saturday. So Thursday, when I got here, Thursday yeah. night, I sat with a shop owner who was talking to me about a 64-year-old technician that is here with him in North mm -hmm. Carolina at the show. And he said, he's slowing down. I've got him sweeping fours and I've got him doing this and I've got him helping me jockey cars because he can't bend over and do all the work. And I said, you know, you're missing something there because the most valuable tool in your shop is that man's brain. Yeah. And so why don't you instead find a C-Tech Find an apprentice and say, okay, now you do the grunt work and I'm going to show you where to insert that part. I'm going to teach you how to do that and use his talent and his brain and let him still be creative because just because your, your physical body can't lift something doesn't mean your brain can't. So you've got that touch. Being a technician is like being an artist. And so most technicians work by touch and by instinct it's not something you learn in a book. Burke learning is great, but there's a lot of things that we do that are learned through time and experience sure. and love. And so if you've got somebody single in your shop and you bring somebody in um, from the outside that's younger, that's ready to learn, and you can put the two together, number one, that person that's coming into your shop feels welcome because he's part of a family. He's got a mentor that is going to hold his hand and have lunch with him and introduce him to the guys in the neighborhood. And he's going to take him around and he's going to show him how the culture works and where you punch in and where the coffee pot is. And your new employee is going to feel welcome. And he's going to feel like he's got a friend. The meantime, your senior technician feels appreciated because he's sharing his knowledge with the younger person. Yeah. The younger person's going to learn quicker because you know, you don't learn as much reading books as you do seeing things done or doing it yourself hands-on. Sure. I equate it a lot to, and I know most of our audience might be mechanical. I play a lot with collision people too. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to somebody and you read a book about painting 
and you're going to paint a car, you run a strip of tape along the brake on the fender. You can read that all day long, but until you've taken that painter's tape and stuck it on the fender and moved it an eighth of an inch and a sixteenth of an inch and moved it up and down and trimmed it with your razor knife and mm-hmm. got it exactly right, you don't know how to do that. You can't read that. You have to learn it by touch. Sure. And your senior guys, they have that touch. They have that gut. They have the instinct. They have the drive. They love doing it. Let's utilize them. Let them know they're important because they're part of our family. Got it. And we want the new guys to feel part of the family. So reinvent their roles. Uh, give them, give them some really meaningful jobs. You, you, your point was great. You know, they could put their hand in a dark spot of the car, and their hands become their fingers become their eyes because they've done it so much. And, and all of our young people, you know, just uh, will will be there someday. But they could learn from their mentor. Your, oh, I like that say. fingers for your eyes thing. Yeah. it's it's not a new concept i actually read it in uh in mitch uh mitch schneider's book misfire and you know i thought it was very eloquently poised hey carm here you know apex 19 is in the record books and brought the best and brightest together to create an experience like no other now the big announcement for apex 2020 is a dedicated section for the service professional yay apex will present repair shop hq in its own section in 2020 so if you earn your living in the aftermarket Apex is for you. Sure, SEMA's fun, but you'll learn more and see more that relates to your sales growth, profits, productivity, and technology at Apex. And training? Apex will present some of the best aftermarket technician trainers as well as management trainers. Now, regarding emerging tech, Apex will feature again in 2020 the latest trends that will have an impact on the service repair professional. And equipment? Wow, see, feel, and touch the latest tools and equipment that will bring efficiencies to your business. Mark your calendar right now for Apex 20, November 3rd through the 5th in Las Vegas. Listen here to learn all about Apex and when you can start registering. So teamwork. Uh, So how do we get, uh, you know, how do we build a strong teamwork, Jim? You know, um, a a teamwork is is a feeling in the baby boomers, which are the 1945 to 1960-ish people, um, we grew up in a different kind of household and our family was our team. And now with our millennials and things, they need to feel a part of a team. Their household wasn't the same. It's a whole different environment. Um, technology's different. You know, you can do things on weekends. Most people on our audience today don't even know that you couldn't go shopping on a Sunday because the stores weren't open. You know, you could, on Sunday, you spent the day with your family. Now on Sundays, you spend the day with your friends and with your coworkers because they are your friends because you spend so much time with them. So when you're part of a team, you're wearing the same logo shirt. You feel part of a group. Mm-hmm. And when you feel part of a group, you bond. And when you bond, you have more things in common and you share things and you get along. So in a work environment, if you've got members that are part of a team, you know, it, it makes them feel like they're important. And, and so one of the things that technology has changed and is the way we pay people. And technicians used to be paid differently than they want to be paid today. You know, people don't want to work for flat rate or for hourly as much anymore. They want a team concept. So if you're bringing in a young person and you're going to mentor him or help him work with a senior person, why not just decide out of these bays, out of this bay or these two bays today, I need this many billable hours of labor. I don't have to have it from the A-Tech and I don't have to have it from the C-Tech. I need it from these two bays all together. And then you come up with a team compensation plan. And comp plans aren't cookie cutters, so you have to fit them to your people. But 
by the time you get the right compensation plan and you pay as a team, Mm -hmm. maybe bonuses based off the team, maybe you pay your senior technician a bonus for what he's helped his young technician learn. And everybody gets to participate. Um, And there's nothing, nothing worse in a shop than um, infecting the shop with somebody that doesn't get along and that doesn't uh, feel part of a team. Hey, do you believe in um, daily meetings uh, like huddles? So every morning you should start your shop every single morning with just a two minute, hi, how you doing? Cup of coffee, standing around huddle kind of thing. And you say, this is what's going on in the shop today. Uh, Tom, Mrs. Johnson's going to be here with that Audi at one o'clock. You've worked on it before. Everybody, uh, Bobby's got a dentist appointment at 1030. So we'll be a little bit short. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just the quickie things. It's what's going on in the shop. We're going to be a little bit tight this afternoon because of this time constraint. So when the snap-on guy comes in, please don't spend too much time browsing today. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a great idea to be able to set the day from the vision of the manager or owner so that it's going to change the performance and every step everyone takes based on what they know the challenges are of the day. So I like a daily meeting. Um, I love lunch and learns. Used to be we kept people after work. Yeah. And this is the different technology, the different uh, generational thing. For the weekly meetings, we would keep people after work for an hour or two to get training. Yeah. And now I like lunch and learns because... Yeah, you you don't keep millennials after... No, because... Well, and and it's a whole different thing because when when I was young, we were from a single income family. Mm -hmm. So we could go home after school. But now everybody's going to daycare and and somebody's got to pick the kids up and mom and dad both have jobs. People have full lives. They can't stay after work. So if you do lunch and learns, you're, you're doing much better for your, for your weekly meetings. Monthly, sure. Once a month you stay after, that's when you get the good stuff. Okay. You said something, full lives. Go back. Go back way, way back. And, and hopefully you can think back that far. Did we have whole full lives, you know, as, as boomers back in the day? It, it, what could the difference between then and now mean when we say f- they have full lives? We had great lives. We had great lives. So what was the, so when we say full lives, any idea of what that difference would be? Why we would be willing to stay late? Is, is it because more spouses work? Is it that more, there are more activities, there are, you know, more daycares to pick up than we, think about that. I, I don't remember a lot of that going on back then, right? Well, so we've got to consider that. If we're a boomer saying, what do you mean full lives? I didn't, you know, I don't understand what's going on today. And, and, and that's, that's the challenge in, in leading and managing the young workforce. It is a major difference. Um, we thought we had full lives, which we did. But we didn't play soccer and baseball and football at the same time. Ah, I see. Oh, okay. Ah, because, because you never know what Johnny's going to get a scholarship in. Absolutely. You know, between, between dance lessons and soccer and football and, and uh, baseball and karate and there's, there's just, we've got so many more yeah, activities. There are a lot of things going on. And, yeah. and so we're all trying to grow things and the schools have clubs after school. And frankly, nothing wrong with any of that. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I get so excited and I see the kids and I see my grandchildren and all the things they're involved in yeah. and they wear me out. So daily meetings, weekly meetings, monthly meetings, quarterly meetings. I think you believe in all of that, right? Um, as, as long as they've got a strong purpose and they're, they're not boring, you don't want to have death by meetings, right? The, the quarterly meeting is, and, and this depends on how you're doing it. The, the monthly meeting is, this is what's going on in the shop this month. 
This is what we need to fix. By the way, we are uh, going to be refinishing this, the floor on the 14th. So you guys start thinking about how you're going to clean things up and where you're going to move stuff before then. Mm -hmm. uh, I've ordered a new scan tool. It's going to come in on the 20th. And we're going to do training uh, for the next four days. We're going to do lunch and learns to learn how to use the scan tool. Right. And just to prepare them for what's going on at the month. I like a big quarterly meeting where you tell everybody where everybody stands. Tom, you've got this bay and you're here for 40 hours a week and you are turning... 32 hours, 32.6 hours a week average. I want to know what we can do to make that 32.9. Mm -hmm. I want to look at everybody's numbers. I want to say, this is what you're doing. This is where we are. This is where we can grow. And I want to share it with the team. It's public. It's public. Yeah. I want them to know where they're doing. I want them to know where I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you we, want them to know what the whole business is doing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is not on the, the list. This isn't on the class. I'm just going to give you a hiring tip. Yeah. When I'm interviewing somebody, I am interviewing my replacement. I am looking for somebody to buy my shop. I'm looking for somebody to take over my shop. By the way, the job description today is lube oil and filter lube tech, but I'm actually looking for somebody that can grow into my position. Sure. It's, it's, it's smart to always look for your replacement, no matter if it's in the current role you have or in succeeding your business. It's a, it's a great, great concept, great strategy. Well, the other part is you've got to always be recruiting and you've got to be looking ahead five years Yeah. because I want to know five years from now, I've got technician A who is a certain age and I can tell you that in five years from now, technician A is going to be feeling the pain in his back or whatever it is. I don't want to wait for four and a half years for technician A to say, by the way, I quit. I can't bend over anymore. I want to know today who I think is going to retire in five years or who I think is going to have to transition to a different job right? so that I can be prepared, so I can be thinking about it. And I want to be thinking about not only that, but if I transition my C tech up to a B tech or up to an A tech or over to a service advisor or customer service representative, who is going to replace my C tech? Mm -hmm. So I need to have a complete org chart of who I've got yeah. in my chart, where they're going to grow and who's going to replace them as they grow. Well, you know, Every time I interview a business coach or, or we get uh, people on to talk about these levels of strategic, sophisticated decision-making, I always think about my listener. And will my listener think, Carm, what the hell are you talking about? I, ju I just got three guys. I got a four-bay place. I, I, don't wanna, I don't have to do all this stuff, do I? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I know. I know you do. And, and that's that's why we do what we do here on the podcast to, to move that forward. Yesterday, uh, I moderated a panel, and it was about technician retention and pay. And uh, we got into benefits. Oh, yes. And it was interesting to challenge the audience and my panel to say, I want to do full paid benefits for you guys. Think about the, the meeting, right? right? Here we're having our monthly meeting, and the owner says, okay. I want to do full paid benefits, but I need some help. I got to figure out how to do this. There's nothing wrong. If you're going to share numbers with people, share your goals and ideas, share what you want to do because team, you know, we have to work together. We've got to do some things. Maybe it's the labor rate. Maybe it's the margin. Maybe it's more efficiencies. Maybe it's car count. Maybe it's ARO. But you know what? If we can get to these particular levels, guys, because I've done the math, if we can get over here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready to offer that to you. So, so that goes right back to two things. Number one, it's where we started, where it's my business. I own it. I make these decisions. 
It's not that. It is, we would like to do this. Let me know what benefits you think we can do and show me how you think we can pay for them Yeah. because they cost this. And then you know what? You don't have to start big. You don't have to start big. Start small. What would you guys really like to see? What do you think is, is something we can do today? And you can throw the bone out and you can think about what you're going to do. I've got one client that every weekend he goes grocery shopping and he fills his refrigerator in his shop. Now he's in downtown Dallas, a lot of traffic. And so he buys bread, potato chips, coleslaw and potato salad, deli kind of stuff, deli meats, mm-hmm. peanut butter and jelly yeah. and stocks the fridge. Cool. And when they come in, come into work at lunchtime, they just walk in the kitchen and they make themselves a sandwich just as if they were working out of their own home. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a very inexpensive, easy benefit that he does. Yeah. Why does he do it? Because it, number one, it keeps his people there. It makes them happier. They don't have to worry about where they're going to lunch. Yeah. It means if they're five minutes late finishing a job, they don't have to worry about missing the line at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everybody's happier and, and more technologically favored. Yeah. The other thing is, when I'm looking at a shop, I like to look at, um, so when they say, I need daycare, I don't need daycare, that's going to tell us what we're having to, what benefits are more important so that we leapfrog and we decide what we can afford them. And then, then I'll take you in a whole other direction is when you're hiring people, hire who you need, not who you think you need. And so this is, where, again, where we think about the age difference and the talent difference in our pool. If you're doing installation type work in your shop, parts replacing, do you need an ATEC to screw on the bolts to put on a new whatever? Water pump. Yeah. To put on a water pump. No, you don't need an ATEC. You want an ATEC. My ego says I want an ATEC. But am I really hiring an ATEC? Do I have yeah, to have an ATEC? It's wants versus needs. So yeah. if you hire a C-TEC or a B-TEC who can install the water pump, can't your ATEC, who is working a little bit less, use his brain to help the other guy improve his, his talents? Absolutely. Uh, good stuff. I love the thing about lunch. Uh, on the panel yesterday, Eric Bach, he's out in Long Island uh, near the Hamptons. He said he buys lunch every day for his yes. team, and he had he substantiated it wonderfully. Uh, it, no thinking about where we're going and decide to drive there and get it. And did I order in time? And to, to your point about you know efficiency and productivity in the shop, and he says... I don't remember what his number was, but I think he said it was at least a hundred bucks a day that he spends to buy lunch. And it's a perk and it's part of the invisible paycheck that he offers to his people. Yeah. Hey, I had a blast. Thank you so much for, you know, coming in and talking to me, Jim Silverman, director of national accounts at ATI. I learned a lot. Thanks a lot, man. I learned from you, Carm, every day. I thank you for doing this. Um, who knew 20 years ago that we would have this kind of I know, absolutely. thing going on forget, in our industry? Yeah, never forget when I met you that long ago. So thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 